Welcome to the Black Sheep Recovery Warfare Podcast, where it is our mission to debunk the lies of the enemy and announce freedom to those still lost in the darkness and addiction. Welcome to another episode of the Black Sheep Recovery Warfare Podcast. I am Brother Phoenix, also known as John Gallagher. I'm joined again in the studio with my co-host, Stacy. What's up? And today... We have two very special friends of mine, all the way from Brookhaven, Woo-hoo. from Broken Change, Steve and Tara. Hey, how y'all doing? Hey, We're doing John. good. How are you? Awesome. The first order of business that I want to take care of is I need to wish one of my favorite human beings on this planet a very special happy eighth birthday. Yay! Happy birthday! Yay. Happy birthday, <laughs> Presley. We love you so much, and I'll see you at church tomorrow. You have the best day ever. And unfortunately, behind that, we have a little bit of sad news. Um, I found out this morning that a part of our CR family passed away this morning. Um, Catherine Schamberger, mm-hmm. you will be missed. Yeah, and I just, you know, if you're if you're listening... If you could take a moment and just honor her and remember her, lift her family and her loved ones up in your prayers. Um, it's always difficult to lose somebody um, who's a part of our forever family, somebody that we care about. So keep them in your prayers today if you can. Amen. And it's just really sad because um, I literally just saw her graduate uh, mm-hmm. the CR program just a few weeks ago, and she was uh, at our Black Sheep event, and just really sad news yeah. so keep her in keep her and her your her family in your prayers and and uh you know yeah all right moving on how y'all doing this morning man i'm glad you asked i, I am blessed <laughs> i'm having the time of my life so far this has got to be the coolest room i've ever been in isn't it neat yeah i love it I'm trying not to move too much. <laughs> sit on your hands. Lord. Sit on your yeah. hands. Sit on my hands. Sit on my. Do you, Bless do you, God. Are you a fidgeter? Do you I'm fidget? I'm a fidgeter. Yeah. Well, apparently we're not supposed yeah. to pet the microphones. Oh, yeah. Come on. Just one time. I mean, I just. <laughs> one time. Yes. Get it out of your system. System. Get it out of your system. It's such a pleasant twirl, sound. Twirl. Nice, nice okay. kitty. <laughs> no, it's out of the way. Nice kitty. Sitting on my hands. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's okay. let's let's keep all going. This is gonna be a fun episode. I gotta tell. This is gonna be great. All right, so let's let's get into it. Where where do y'all want to start? Let's let's start let's start with you. Okay. Let's start with you. Yeah, you go first. Yeah, you go first. No pressure. No pressure. Where did Um, it all begin? Like let's 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 start with like some of your fondest childhood memories. Okay, so um, my mom and dad, (laughs) my mom and dad uh, were teenagers when they had me. And I don't know, uh, you got that? (laughs) Um, They were teenagers when they had me, and they were trying to work and learn how to have a family. And I was, me and my brother were staying at an at-home daycare, and some things happened at that daycare that just sent me for a loop. What exactly? What type of things? um, Sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. From the people that were watching over Mm -hmm. y'all? Yeah. Yes. And, um, I mean, as you can tell, it's still, I'm 42. Yeah. I've been in recovery 11 years, mm-hmm. and it's still. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, by the time I was, and I was rebellious as a child, by the time I was 11, 12 years old, I was drinking, hanging out. I was 11. My boyfriend was 17. Um, so I just lived that life. I just didn't know any different. 
Yeah, you learn to normalize the abuse that happened to you. Well, yes. we, we yeah. talked about this in the past. Uh, they, these are these are like trauma points and trauma Correct. scars. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yes. you know, you're literally 11 years old, and um, and uh, even at 42, it it still has mm-hmm. that. You know that that yes. that little trigger. So it what? Is. So what you're saying is that time does not heal all wounds. It does not. Uh-huh. It does not. Correct. Um, but I did. I started hanging out with some friends or so-called friends um, in South Jackson. I stayed with my mom and my stepdad, and then I would visit my grandmother in South Jackson. And so I had friends here, friends there. And I would rather be with my friends in South Jackson because mm-hmm. yeah, we we had a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, you're you're 42. I'm 47, and I grew up in South Jackson. What part of yes. what area was that? Um, so I was like 12 years old with the police on the side of the road at Savannah Street mm-hmm. Trailer Park. Oh, that's my neighborhood. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> running from the police at like 12 years old. Yeah. Which felt normal, uh, right? It's just like, okay. We're just yeah. hanging out. Yeah. Hey, hey, the police are coming. Let's go. Yeah. I mean, we just threw our hoodies on. We it. might know some, some of the same people. We do. Yeah. I'm sure we do. I know we were safe for such a time as this. Yeah, mm. sure. Um, but I did. I started hanging out with just... You ran with it. You ran with an older crowd. I did. And, um, I did. And, you know, so that's, that's where you were at. I did. Um, but I, you know, through that trying to act like the abuse didn't happen but not mm-hmm. having anybody to talk to about it not really even knowing how to talk about it i went up i mean they did you know my parents they tried i went to charter hospital i went through therapy mm-hmm. i tried to figure those things out but it was so scary that i would rather just be high i would mm-hmm. rather just drink i would rather just get attention yeah. I would I would rather do anything other than to try to face that stuff. You know, and I, I just I have to jump in because it's it never fails. And I, and I like this is what I do for a living, right? Alcohol and drug therapist. But it never ceases to amaze me how when someone starts to tell their story, you see all of this stuff as yes. as as what laid the foundation for what came later. And I don't know if I've ever shared this before, but you know, I, I've I've I heard an analogy when I first got sober about you know how the world views those of us who are in addiction. And it's almost like a fish on a hook, right? Yes. The world sees our behavior trying to get off of the hook, but they never yes. see the hook. And so the hook is the neglect, the abuse, the abandonment, like all of these things. Yes. But Why are you doing what you do? Exactly. Yeah, like, yeah. oh, my goodness, you have no morals. You have no values. And it's like, now hang on a second because there's a hook in my soul. There's a reason I'm doing exactly. this. Does mm-hmm. anybody care to see to the root of why yeah. I'm doing what I'm doing? Mm-hmm. And so, but, you know, I... I got married. We had a baby. I tried to, um, you know, just be the best person I could be in the middle of that trauma and trying Mm -hmm. to act like it wasn't there. But like we were talking about earlier, the more I tried to act like it wasn't there, the more it was. I mean, and that turned into um, it's funny, you know, going back to my childhood, I can look back now and see like everywhere that I moved. Like the the pastor's daughter would be my best friend, mm-hmm. and I'm like, you know, I would be going to church. Or my grandmother, even though we didn't go to church in my home, they would always send the church bus to pick us up. Or my grandmother would take us mm-hmm. to church. So How do you like, interpret like, that? Like, she's a she's a she's a church magnet. It's it's neat. <laughs> it's neat to look back now and see God with me the whole time. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. it, it it plays into that because um, I mean, in one of these drunken party rages. Um, I got high and I had a bad trip and I blacked out 
completely black for like 18 hours. I had a friend of mine sitting with me. Nobody wanted to take me to the hospital because sure. everybody was high. Yeah. Okay. But I was there was something happening. Like they didn't know if I was dying. We didn't know what was going on because it was pretty rough in the beginning. And then even in the end, I remember thinking, okay, this is, I'm just going to be blind. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember my friend trying to get me to write something down or trying to bring me back in. And I've never been the same since then. Like, I joke around, but it's serious that God saved me with two brain cells left. Like, he did. Wow. Like, I was driving down the road in addiction with these two brain cells left. I mean, I got three little babies at my mama's house wanting me to come home and be mama. And I just needed to not deal with I mean, not only the pain from my past, but this, this thing that I have created at my own hand mm -hmm. for so many years, you know? And so I was driving down the road one day and I heard turn around and a whisper. I wasn't at the altar. Nobody was praying for me. Like I heard turn around and it stunned. I knew it was God. Yeah. And I slammed on my brakes and flipped around in the middle of the road. Like, yeah. Like, this is really happening. You know, and I ended up going to a church trying to figure out what was going on. Like, God's obviously drawing me in, but I'm in, I'm in the middle of my addiction. Why would he do that? Mm, yeah. Like, mm. and I love that now because nobody did that for me. Yeah. Yep. Going back to what you said, something about a root, right? Mm -hmm. So this is something we talked about yesterday. I think it was yesterday. was like addiction, um, abuse, all those things that they are, they are fruits and it's a fruit of a root. There's a root to that. And until you dig up that root and get rid of it, it's always going to bear that fruit. <gasps> yes. Follow me. I might yeah, have said yes. that up and I might well, have pushed no, it. But. That's one of the analogies that I use with my clients. I'm a terrible, I don't, I'm not an artist. I don't draw, but I draw this really just like kindergarten level flower for my clients. Mm -hmm. And on the petals of the flower, I write addiction because mm -hmm. addiction is not the problem. Right. That you have to go down to the root, and yeah. the root is all of the things that you've been talking about. Yeah, that's yeah. right. It, it reminds yeah. me of kudzu. Have you ever tried to mow down kudzu? Yeah, it just comes. Right I don't. Back I don't mow the grass personally. But Ooh, you in know. North Mississippi, <laughs> man, we had this stuff everywhere, yeah. and it would just consume everything. Mm. And no matter how many times you burned the field off, it didn't matter how many times you mowed it down, it would just keep coming back. Mm -hmm. And it's exactly right. And twice as you know, twice as much. Yeah. yeah. Twice as much. And you the just, more you try to you ignore just it, the more it's the new kudzu yeah. is what right. you've done. Mm. Yeah. And what that's exactly we, how addiction works. Yeah. And what we ignore will continue. Mm. You cannot heal a wound by acting like yeah. it's not there. Yeah. Wow. Good stuff. All right, so where are we at? Where are we at? So just out of curiosity, so you said around 11 o'clock. <laughs> around 11 o'clock you started using it, right? <laughs> <laughs> I remember so, that. So you, so you started using it at 11 o'clock. one of them brain cells. No, that's yeah. one, of my, one of my two, Laurel and Hardy. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so at about 11 years old is when you started using. What were you using? Um, you know, back then, just smoking weed. Um, I was the babysitter of our community. Um, I lived in Sontag, Mississippi. Um, and because I was the babysitter, all my friends were older. So I had the older friends that had little babies. So they could go to the club, and I was at home with the babies. And so I, they would just give me things to keep me up with the kids. <laughs> you know, like I, I didn't know. Many thins. Many thins. That's the first thing that came to mind. Alcohol, weed, you mm. know, Lord have. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Um, and it was just a normal, mm -hmm. like, hey, I, I've been up all day at school. If you want me to keep the kids all weekend for you to go to New Orleans, I mean – if I'm going to be their full caregiver at 12 and 13 years old, you want to get me I'm going to I'm gonna have to be 
a week. Because that's so logical when it comes to <laughs> like take, caring for the lives of small children. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I need my house it clean. Makes I need to handle yeah, the bills. Yeah. 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 Let's dope up the caretaker. That's yeah. a great idea. And the, the, the funny thing is it really did seem like a logical thing to do at the it, time. It right? was. Yeah. It was the logical thing mm. to do. And and I was, like I said, all of my friends everywhere I moved. I mean, We lived in Puckett. We lived in Brandon. We lived in Pearl. We lived in Jackson. And everywhere I went, my best friend would be the pastor's kid, and we'd, mm-hmm. I'd still go to church. Yeah. And I, I used to come over. I was the bad kid. I was the black sheep. Mm-hmm. And I remember one of my best friends, her dad, when I'd walk in, he'd be like, like I know she needs yeah. to be here. <laughs> but she Clean is, your pockets she, out. <laughs> <laughs> but, she is, but she is corrupting my kids. You know? yeah. So he would joke around, my name is Tara. So he would say, like, I would walk in and he would go, it's the terror. Oh. I'm like, oh, I'm after your children. <laughs> yeah. you know? And so it was always a joke. But then again, it was like a way I learned to walk in and work a crowd. I mean, if I went to church, I was the best mm-hmm. church goer. Yeah. Most obedient, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir. We went to a rock concert. I would jam out until yeah. my head almost fell off. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If I would, no matter where I went, I learned how to just blend in because I didn't want to have to face what I had been through. I think as people in active addiction and even sometimes in recovery, until we figure out that this is a thing that I do, we're chameleons. We're adapters. Uh-huh. I can adapt to whatever situation that I walk into. And is that is that a trauma response? Is it? Well, it kind of makes yeah, sense. Who that am I? What do I even really like? And, and it's about identity and it's about acceptance. I can yes. tell you this. I've yes. lived throughout my addiction in, uh, in those three decades. I lived all over the country. And everywhere I lived, the drugs might be a little bit different. So I conform to it. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't matter what was going on around me. Which is what we I, you do. Know, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I would, I, I would literally conform to it just like a chameleon, just like you said. Yeah, I, I mean, think it's about getting a need met, and mm-hmm. I'm not. And sometimes that's and externally, acceptance. but sometimes that's internally. The root. Yeah. yeah. What is the root? And acceptance of that? too. Yeah. Know, yes. so, I mean, I, it, it, I would go as far as to, you know uh, change the way I talked or. Uh, even oh, kind of dress like them, you know. Change like, the way I dress. Way I dress. Change the kind of music oh. I listen to. Like, what do yeah, you, you like that? Okay, and, I like that too. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Why, why are we in our? Oh, 40s that's my jam. Just now realizing mm-hmm. who we how, are. How long have we been like? You know, that's my favorite song. Me too. Yeah. yeah. I love Chinese food. Me too. I mean, you get used to that. It's the hurt, the habit, and the hang up. Yeah. I mean, you get, and 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 when you find out what it is. When you pray and you say, God, search my heart. I want to know what is wrong. And then you know you got got to get rid of that log before you can help somebody else. Mm-hmm. Right. That's a big deal when you look yeah. that log in the face and go, so at least 99% of this is my imagination <laughs> and my presumption and me trying to fit in and me needing approval. And, and, and I'm really trying to work the crowd. And all I'm really saying in the root is, I want to be a part of a family. Yeah. I know I'm supposed to be part of this community. I know yeah. I'm, but who am I to be able to let go and just let God do that? Right. Can I just let go or am I just going to keep trying to fit in wherever I go? Yeah. I want to, I want to go back to something that you said, because I think that we were going forward with your story, but you said that you were driving down the road and God said, turn around. He said, turn around. So okay. what, what did you, what, what was the end result of that? Like, why did you turn around? So, um, at that time, my mom had come and picked my kids up. She took them home with her. You know, she was like, I've raised my kids, but I do not want them to find you dead. 
And I don't want you to, uh, I don't want them to be suffering just because you're going through this right now. I had called a friend in Florida and I was at a bottom and I said, I can't live anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, I got the kids birth certificate, social security cards, everything laid out right here. Um, come pick up the kids and at least they'll be somewhere safe. And instead of her doing that, she called my mom. And my mom and my stepdad owned a private investigating business. And he was the police. And they were the ones that I did not need to know any of my business, you know. And so when they pulled up, they didn't just take the kids. My mom took the kids. My stepdad took me to Brandon to get some help. I mean, mm -hmm. he, he had to wrestle me to the ground because so, I wanted to die. I was fixing to say, so, so what you're saying is that you were prepared to end your life I was day. prepared to okay. end my life. And... They took the kids, and it was on that same road after all of that happened where I heard God's voice. Yeah. And I ended up going to a church. I just drove around looking for a church, and I went to Christ Church in Laurel. And when I walked in, one of the biggest drug dealers in Laurel had gotten saved. I love that. And he was on fire. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe a year I mean, they had just sent some people with their little anklets still on yeah. that were leading praise and worship. <laughs> I'm like, is this even a thing? Like, what is going on? And so I got saved on a Sunday night. God was already drawing me close, mm -hmm. okay, because I already heard his voice. He led me here. But I got saved on a Sunday night, and they did CR that they called Dying to Live because it had a jail ministry in there on Monday nights. And so I just knew. I, I didn't really know what was going on. To be honest, I mean, I just quit everything. Like, I quit everything overnight because I wanted to be with those people. I, yep. wanted to, I wanted to be a part of what they were doing. I wanted to be at that church. And so they had something really cool. They had the CR Monday night. Tuesday night, they had parenting biblically. Wednesday night, you did a life group. Thursday night, you did a marriage biblically. On the weekends, we had a million things going on with the kids. So every day, I had this rewiring mm -hmm. of my mind. Mm -hmm. And and it took, I didn't get baptized and really start working on my recovery for like eight months. And so, but it was that constant, I don't know what's going on with those folks. But, but it's I attractive to me. They, I yeah. want what they got. And so that's really what kept me. That's really mm -hmm. what kept me going is recovery and CR and people that were on fire. I walked into a fire that was already lit. Mm. Oh, I didn't good. even I like that. know. That's good. Like, like nobody, nobody did that for me. Yeah. I walked in there. There's no telling what it looked like. I mean, I remember wanting this guy's attention because he was really cool. Mm -hmm. I remember this. It was a really cool guy. And I was like, oh, he's really cool. Like, I really want to talk to him. I want to know him. Who is this guy? Like, I was drawn to him. And I, I started working my way toward him. Like, I just really want to talk to this guy, you know? And the closer I got, the closer this woman got to him. And I'm like, <laughs> who is this girl? And I found out it was his wife. Oh, okay. And so, and yeah. Well, and it was beautiful to me once I realized what, once I saw a complete picture. Seems because legit. Because <laughs> they knew, they were solid, and they knew that they were working with people like them. Yeah. 
it wasn't like get you know get away from my man. It was like I'm so glad that she's attracted to the mm-hmm. Jesus in him. I'm so glad that she wants to be a part of this. I'm so and I don't want to just push her away. Yeah, I want her to just know what's really going on. I, they were gentle with me. Yeah, I love that too. Because I think that we get to a place, hopefully, in our recovery where I, I'm now able to not just look at the behavior, but I can look at the pain that motivates the behavior, and I can be empathetic towards the pain that's motivating the behavior instead of just like, what's your problem? What's wrong with you? You're talking to my man. Why are you acting like that? That's not Jesus. Yeah. 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 So, but yeah, I did. I I got saved, started doing recovery very aggressively. Um, I had no desire to drink, smoke. I mean, God took all those desires away from me. I think we skipped a lot of overall, all that. Uh, What what exactly uh, were you on? Um, so mainly pain pills. This was during the, this was 11 years ago. So this was when, uh, opiates and all of that was just huge coming on the scene. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a few surgeries and mainly my, when my baby was born out of C-section and I had a lot of complications. So I was going in and out of the hospital with that, those complications and when I went home that last time, they sent home Oxycontin and mm-hmm. all of these main big, big pain pills. Yeah. And so I was drinking. I was a drinker. I was mainly an alcoholic mm-hmm. uh, since, you know, for as long as I can remember. But it was the taking the pills with the alcohol and then realizing that I could take this pill. As long as I take this pill, it won't make me nauseated. So I can take a handful of pills and I can do this. So mainly that. But ecstasy. um, that was one thing. I don't. I don't even know all of what we did that night that I blacked out. Yeah. Um. But I remember taking a handful of pills. I remember taking a, a couple ecstasy tabs. I remember drinking. I remember those things. But right before I got saved, it was at the church where I, where I was just wanted to be a part of this fire. Um. I started looking up how to. Um. They had given me Dilaudid, and I had heard some people say, "Well, you can." Mm-hmm. You can do some different things with this, you know. Yeah. And I started looking that up, and I found a chat room that showed you how much you could do, oh, how to do it, <laughs> how not to die. Mm-hmm. And people people encouraging, this is how we're going to do it. And I was like, okay, I can. And I really was in that mindset. Just like he told me to turn around when I was ready to end my life. This <laughs> was in the church. I was one step away. Mm-hmm. But it was that next recovery meeting. It was that next Sunday. It was mm. that next thing that I wanted more than that. Yeah. Whole different so, chat room. T- yeah. Yeah. I mean, the devil was like, no. Remember those AOL yeah. days, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh my yeah. God. You get ate up in a chat room back when <laughs> I, I mean, was growing was, up. Yeah, this was this was 11, 12 years ago. Yeah, I know. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was a big deal back then. I mean, now I do recovery. Because I still have those same two brain cells. He's not adding any sanity as far as the world goes to my head. He, I have two brain cells and a lot of this. Mm-hmm. There you go. Okay. Yeah. I mean, when I hear knocks, I mean, I still you know, every now and then I'll see something or hear something, and I'm not, you know, I'm like, okay, I know, I got really high that night, and the mm-hmm. Lord saved my life. You know, it's I don't so really real. Have. I hear it too sometimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> feeds yeah. off of me. But if I hear a knock, I just now I know. I I say. Um, God, if you're knocking, let's have a conversation. You know, like yeah. I know to do that. Or if I see something, I'm like, 
I know that you don't come at me like that. Mm-hmm. Or I'll just, it, if it's a bad day and I'm having really bad anxiety, because I, I still deal with mania, I still deal with that spinning. Yeah. My mind still does that that quick, and I have to just sit in it. I can't do too much. People will be like, oh, she's lazy. She's been at home all day. Her house is a mess. No, I'm trying to stop in the mania to let, to let my mind catch up. Yeah, you're literally trying to cope. I'm really, I'm literally having to do this because of all the the pills, mainly the pills and the alcohol. I have a lot of tummy issues, a lot of tummy issues. And I have a lot of joint issues, rheumatoid arthritis, osteoarthritis from all the wrecks that I had and all these things. And the doctor's like, the only way that you are not going to do pain management is if you lose weight and get your head together. Like you, you, and I do this, I don't have any, and that's not to say some people don't need medicine. Every day I go, I really need medicine, y'all. I really need medicine. But it's in those times that I get to practice. It's in that valley. It's in that, oh, I'm spinning again. Okay, Lord, if I'm going to spin, I'm going to spin with you. If I'm going to, I'm going to read this like a freaking crazy person in my mania until it stops. And he has, it has benefited me. Now, when you say mania, are you describing bipolar disorder? Bipolar disorder. Okay. I am bipolar. Okay. So the highs are high, mm-hmm. the lows are lows. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, in the low, I used to just sit in it. Yep. I would just, until somebody had a birthday party and I had to get dressed or, oh, God, I got to go to work. or Like, I would just sit in it. And then even when I would come up and get dressed and put on a face, I really wasn't out of it. I was really just walking around trying to cope. And I knew how to work a crowd and smile and act like mm-hmm. I was okay. And I wasn't, you know, and that's, that's kind of what drew him to me because, you know, he's just like, man, I, you're amazing. <laughs> but, but man, he just couldn't put his finger on it. Like, and I remember him telling me one time, he's like, you know, I just, I can tell that you don't know what love is. Mm-hmm. And I just want you like, even it, when we were friends, we did children's ministry together for two years before we realized we were meant to be together. Mm-hmm. We were like brother and sister. We knew each other in real time. And we got into a big argument one night, like brothers and sisters do. And he's on the way home, and he's like, I know what she needs. Like, I liked if, her, and she was mean to me. <laughs> she was that fine. sounds familiar. <laughs> she loved me to death until yeah. she found out that I liked her. Yeah. That was it. <laughs> That's familiar. And, that sounds familiar to me. I get that. Like, you are not going to be the next one. I could have played the game like all the other guys do, but I'm so brutally honest about things that I just say how I feel. And she was really precious to me. And she, she's like, oh, you like me now. Now, and, and from that point on, she was mean to me. And I finally had a name. Yes, and that was the real deal. <laughs> she could have been, been swooned and dated and all that other mess. And I went to God. <laughs> I was like, God, I love this woman. If you just give her to me, that's it. I just love her forever. I'll just love her and take care of her. And the next day, I was the most precious thing she'd ever seen. He did. The Lord just and, and, was like, and I was like, you, you could have had it. The you could have you could have had the traditional way, but I went above <laughs> your head on this. Yeah. I just I just went above your head and went to the boss. Okay. All right. All right. So you don't get to say so anymore. You just gotta love me. <laughs> so at this point, you know, when you found that church and you caught fire, I mean. And that's that's been eleven years ago. You're in, you you eleven years. So ever ago. since then, you've been. I mean, you've been drug free. You've been alcohol drug free. free. No, there, there. I had um, two slips. One time, um, I was about one year clean. Uh, a friend of mine had some dental work, and my house was a wreck. And I was like, "Can I buy a couple of those? My house is a Get wreck. I really, I really mm-hmm. need to clean my house." You know. 
And I, I found out really quickly that I was a new creation because I was like, I'm just going to mm-hmm. take one yeah. and eat a sandwich. And I'm, I'm like trying to, <laughs> I don't want to be sick to my stomach. Yeah. I don't know. And I don't want it to hit me too I hard. Don't, I don't know what I'm doing. And one pill that I used to take a handful of mm-hmm. like a year before made me so sick that I was sitting up by the toilet just dry heaving. Wow. Mm. And then, you know, she was like, what happened? Like, if you, if you, you know, we started having conversations like, man, when you come over here and you're itching your nose and you're tweaking out, like, I am losing my mind because I want to do it. Yep. And she's like, well, why don't you just do it? Like, you're grown. And I was like, you don't understand. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't just do it now. Yep. Now it goes to the core of who I am. Mm-hmm. And God Love has that. done something for me that I can't just get high and yeah. run from this stuff anymore. It, this is my reality. Yeah. Once you Once you understand what it's like to be sober and you're exposed to the truth and you're exposed to the light, you've ruined highs and drunks for you for the rest of your life. It's not going to be, you're not going to have fun anymore. Yeah. It's not going to be fun. Well, and then uh, probably about three years clean, a friend of mine was going through a breakup. She was going through a really hard time and I was trying to just lighten the mood, you know, and, and she got something to drink and I was like, girl, I'll drink with you. We'll forget him. We're just drinking and have a good time. <laughs> and I remember, sit, you know, I got a little buzz and I remember sitting in the truck like, what are I'm you sick. doing? I'm, I'm sick as a dog. And then whenever we got together and we started dating, we went through a lot of loss in our families and um, our community at one time. And I remember, um, you know, I'm like, okay, I've got to get out of my head for a minute. Like I'm about to lose my mind. My, my valley was really, really low. And I went and bought some beer and just the smell of it. Yeah, I get that. I'm like. I used to just yeah, and it's crazy. And just the smell of it made me sick. <clears throat> well, I, 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 was just I, t- I prayed for her too, man, because I knew she was going through a lot of loss. This was this was when me and her were just friends, and I was so afraid she would go back to addiction. Oh, mm-hmm. Like she she comes so far, and you know I was so proud of her, but I, I realized that hey, people are people. Yep. And mm-hmm. you yeah. know those 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 coping mechanisms you had before and so what I, what I prayed for is that if she ever tried to drink again it make her sick to her uh-huh. stomach and no end. And <laughs> he, he does have a connection she's, she's with like that. man I, I and, and then a couple of days later I'd come over to her house and she was like I, I tried to drink and, and I couldn't I drank one and I nearly threw up and I held my nose and drank the other one and I couldn't do it <laughs> just yes, to be that, sure look, just I, to make sure I can I can vouch for that because like uh, my ex I think she was praying really hard for God to take uh, alcohol out of me and and like and completely um, give me an allergy to it because I was a full on alcoholic for like thirty years and like I mean I'm talking about like in the morning I stopped at the store and got a six pack drank on the way to work got a six pack at lunch and then got a case on the way home and drank that until either it was gone or I passed out mm-hmm. and um, that was every that was my lifestyle every day and then one day I woke up and I stopped at the store and I didn't buy a six pack and. Like, at lunch, I ate, and then on the way home, I got a Dr. Pepper, and I have not, I mean, like, there's been two occasions since then that I did attempt to try to drink a couple of beers, and the smell of it from the time I cracked it, and like, just like you said, tried to force myself to do it, it was like my body was rejecting it, and now, now don't get me wrong, now look, but then I graduated to other things, I mean, I was, mm-hmm. I, I was always, like I said, I've always been a drug addict, but, um, but I mean, the the alcohol itself was full on taken away from me, and um, even now to this day, like I can. Li- that's why I don't go in bars, and I, you know, I, you know, don't do the uh, 
events, some social events like I used to. Because if I'm sitting next to somebody that's drinking, the smell of it makes me sick. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm like, and then, and then I, I get to thinking, I'm like, is this what I smelled like all those nights next to her? You know, it's like, this is what she had to deal with. You know, Ugh, that's well, bad. See, and I can't and from believe. a woman's perspective or just somebody that is bipolar deals with that stuff, I feed off of people. Like, I want to be around people. I want to be a part of this community. I want people to like me. I want to love people. Like, I want that. And so if I go to the bar, I'm... I'm going to just be trying to be in that place. Mm. It's not just the the smell of it that throws me off anymore. Now it's just this, I want to be around people that I can vibe with because I'm going to vibe with you. Mm. I'm going to vibe. <laughs> she, she said, no, listen. No, listen. Stacey, listen. Yeah. I believe you, sister. <laughs> I, am go- yeah, I am going to vibe with you wherever I'm at. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pour my whole heart into it. And so, but... Like I said, you know, it like for me now, still today, I st- a lot of my family's still out there. A lot of my friends are still out there. I've lost a lot of people out there. I mean, I still have people that think I'm fooling people, you know, like, oh, you know, there's no way she's been mm-hmm. sober these 11 years, you know. She didn't got the church boy fool. And you, you know? would think 11 years. The church day. boy. Oh, yeah, we're about to get I'm to a, that. I'm, I'm missing oh, a say. Okay. We're about to get to that in a minute. <laughs> It is, isn't it crazy? Like you say that. I see. I'm three years into mine, and you're 11, and you're still going through that after 11 years. You know, still going I, through it. I have to tell y'all this. I was, I was on the because because it, it goes with this. I was on the way here today, and because I've got almost nine years, so okay, nine years okay. in June, and I passed by one of those hotels because I was, I was, I was the hotel drop, jumper, right? Like yeah. just whatever, because none of my friends like owned homes or could pay rent, <laughs> so like we we hopped hotels. You got good at it. And I passed by one of the ones that I used to frequent all the time. And, and for the most part, I don't, I don't experience a lot of triggers and cravings these days. And, or if I do, they're not necessarily for drugs and alcohol. Um, and I just, I had just got hit with this memory, you know, of, of a thing I did at this hotel and I felt it all over me. Mm. My, my hands are sweaty. My heart was racing. I was like, Okay, you know, like, but instead of freaking out, and I tell my clients this all the time, instead of freaking out and, oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? I'm, I'm not doing something right. There's a huge problem here. I was like, you really, you, you really are a drug addict. You know, this is really something that you deal with. This is, this is kind of just what it looks like. And so that's when I had to lean into remembering the consequences, remembering the truth of what happened, remembering that the one pleasant memory that my brain tries to tell me was every day was like once every three years. And like the rest of that was chaos and darkness and, and, and horrible, you know? So it's for me, I still can get those moments, even though I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I can still have those moments where I'm just like hit with something. And I remember like, okay, you which, don't have to forget about this. Well, they're emotional you, anchors. Yeah. They're emotional anchors. And, and, and we're hardwired to be like that. Yeah. And I can literally, even to this day, and I know this will probably be going, going on for many years to come. If, I, if I'm watching a movie or if I see a show or something like, and even if it's just in a, in a in an ER or something, and somebody's getting hit with a needle. Mm-hmm. I have a shudder go through my body, mm-hmm. like a chill. Well, it's almost like for yeah. me, like I was about to say, it's like a reality that even though you've overcome and you have the answers to some of these things, and you are qualified to lead. I mean, somebody like me, I still struggle. I would come to you 
and say, hey, how could we do this naturally? How Mm -hmm. could we do this? I can't Mm -hmm. do this anymore. I may make a phone call to you like that. But it's moments like that that you realize that you need me to overcome too. Mm -hmm. And that's part of your journey. Mm -hmm. It's part of you understanding you're not just doing this thing because you want to be famous. Like this is working because you want to understand because you do understand. Mm. And I want I mean, people it to is, understand. You, and you know that yeah. you're a part of this. And I know that we're supposed to be doing this thing because mm-hmm. for 11 years, every day I'm going into church and I'm doing CR and I'm doing church folks and I'm doing the world folks. And I'm like, what am I supposed to be doing just to find that little narrow path? And this is so beautiful because I've been waiting. Like when I got saved, I was walking through that fire, but I wasn't brave enough to share in my moments when I was two years clean and three mm-hmm. years clean. And what I'm experiencing now, it's like the remnant. It's just so beautiful to me. Oh, what I'm exper- what I'm experiencing now is the people that are saved one year, two years, three years clean, and they're just like, I don't care if I'm in the fire. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it don't make any sense. I want to let go and let God do what, like, I'm mm-hmm. in his will. Whatever yeah. he wants Like, to I'm do. experiencing yeah. that Man, in look, real time. Look, I was at Restoring the Broken last night in Laurel, and I'm telling you, that place is full of the Holy Spirit. I'm talking Woo! about, I walked in and I felt it from the time I was really pulling in the parking lot. Yes. But, um, but like, there was this dude sitting in front of me on the front row and he was by himself. And they don't do coins there. They do these cool little bracelets. Yes. And I, I, I'll be, I'll get my, my three years is literally on March 11th. And, um, and Scott made a big deal out of it. I just mentioned, I was like, man, I wish, I wonder if they'd give me one of them cool little multi-year, you know. <laughs> and so I wasn't even going to say nothing about it, but he, he's going to, you know, pipe up and do his thing. But there's this dude sitting in front of me uh, by himself on the front row 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And he was excited. I'm mm-hmm. talking about excited, man. And uh, and I got a, I got a feeling from that, you know, I got a high from that. You remember I was like, that. You remember that. <laughs> You know, yes. so so I talked to him. I gave him a big hug. And I was like, "Man, I'm so proud of you, dude." And he's like, "Man, I can't get to where you're at." You know, three. Years. I was like, "One day at a time, bro. You're gonna get there, man. Just yes. keep, you know, just keep keep this up, keep coming, keep doing. You know, stay on fire like this, man." And he's like, "I'm just so tired of this of that lifestyle, man." And it's like he just got woke up. Yep. And I love well, that. Well, and just to be able to be a part of that because yeah. it it I understand discipleship. I understand why church people do what they do. I have a third generation pastor husband. You we, know what I mean? We're, we're about to get but to that. Just to, but just to, and just to help you <laughs> I know, segue, I that. Um, but <laughs> I know like when I go, well, the church folks do it like He's like, I am a church folk. And I'm like, <laughs> mm. because, because there is a way that Jesus shows us that's, it doesn't make sense to anybody else. And do we even care about tapping into that? Do we care about getting to the root? And do we care about doing what God is telling us to do today? And in that discipleship, I, I really do believe that God brought us together to, to bring that into light. Like, discipleship is, is spending time with Him. He shows us. He does things that nobody else can do in those first, first few years where it's fire. And not that people aren't praying for us mm-hmm. and people don't love us and they don't want to steer us in the right direction. But like right now, I have two best friends, okay? One is super free. Like, I'm like, I need that. I want that. I like, I want, I, I want to follow her everywhere she goes because I want it so bad. <laughs> I'm like, I want to be free like that. But I also have this other friend that is super stable and I want it. Mm-hmm. I want it. And, and to these two friends, it looks threatening. Because she's like, 
oh, well, you're so free that you, you know, it makes me feel like my stability doesn't matter. And then she's like, oh, well, I'm so free that your stability, you know, makes me feel like I'm in bondage again. Like there is a real trick happening to keep us separate when we're supposed to be working together in these things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And only he can give you that. Mm-hmm. So I'm when I say in the church, I'm doing this, man, I think it's so beautiful if we could come together as the church and as the addicts and as the people, if this could be just like Aubrey and Brandy, they're not like, they are so amazing mm-hmm. how they're, they are. I mean, he was up there on the stage and he was like, I'm, I've been clean so long. I don't even remember, but this is, <laughs> this is so freaking exciting. Like he just got saved yeah. with everybody. Mm-hmm. Why can't we experience that? Why does it have to be the church folks know what to do? Like the professionals know what to do, but they don't want to be a part of this. Yeah. And why is somebody getting saved in a year a threat or they don't want to know what to do with these people and they don't know? Like why do we have that separation in the church? Because we're all the church. Why aren't we working church. together? And so I know we're coming to that conclusion. Like, ma'am, he, he's like, babe, I am the church. And I'm like, <laughs> well, well, people are I know people. you are. Yeah. People are people. It doesn't matter if they're in the church or in the bar. They're still people. Yeah. And they're going to do what people does. Plain and simple. Yep. And in, I never hear people say, oh, well, I got work hurt. I'm just never going to go back to work. Again. <laughs> I never hear people say, oh, my gosh, I have bar hurt. I'm going to go join yeah, another bar now. I, but I hear that in the church. And <laughs> yeah. so what is it? Isn't it? Is it an excuse not to plug into something? Or is it... It's a spirit know, of offense. I, I, I don't. I don't want to grow, mm-hmm. and and when I'm a part of this environment, I'm uncomfortable staying where I'm at because this environment is is encouraging me to be uncomfortable and and search for things and and but but when I'm in this environment over here, I can do whatever I want. And I'm I'm okay, even though people are still people you know the same people that gossip and slander in the bars will also gossip and slander in the church although they may not be the same individuals um we're not the special snowflakes we think we are not we're not (laughs) that unique we are (laughs) not that unique you know it's the same people just different faces and so when when i came to the place and i understood that and and we're coming to understand that together eh, Let's hear a little bit of your story. Yeah, all right, all right. Um, my, my, my story, my story is pretty simple. Listen here, ch- uh, church boy. Listen my here. story is pretty simple, man. I, I I grew up in a church. My granddad was a pastor. My dad was a pastor for a little while, and and I was called to ministry in like the sixth grade. Um, I don't have a history of drugs and alcohol. Um, and and I think it's so wild that I ended up working in recovery. Um, because just a few years ago, I was one of those people that was like, well, I don't need this. I've never been a drug addict. I don't need recovery. Um, but how, how wrong I was, Mm -hmm. how absolutely wrong Mm -hmm. I was. Cause, cause again, it doesn't, I didn't understand the mechanics of addiction and, and through working with CR, I understand mechanics of addiction. It it doesn't matter if it's socially acceptable or not. Addiction Mm -hmm. is pretty much anything that holds you back from being the person God created you to be. There are things that put you in this feedback loop of insanity mm-hmm. and, and they negate your growth, whether it's like in, in my situation, it's food addiction. Well, I look around me and I see in honesty, other people that are struggling with the same thing I do, but, Oh, we don't want to talk about that because that's, that's offensive. Yeah. You know, we, we, and, and we instead go to church every fifth Sunday and, and indulge in our addiction. You know, how much does the Bible say about gluttony? Mm-hmm. 
Um, and so here I was, I was in addiction, in active addiction. It was just socially acceptable, and I don't have to go to the hotel like you were talking about. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to have to worry about the police kicking my door in because I'm eating wrong. Yeah. So it's okay. And and the culture I came from, pretty much, and this is not what they directly taught. Nobody actually directly teaches this. It's just kind of implied by the way everyone else behaves as long as I walked like a good Baptist, talk like a good Baptist, and just as long as I looked a certain way, yep. then mm -hmm. I'm okay. Everything's great. Look, I'm where I need to be. You don't look much like a Baptist. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. I, lo I, love, I, love, I love where I came from because it got me where I am today. But, yeah, you're right. I don't. Um, and as, I, as I, I went from youth ministry to recovery work, and I'm like, man, God, why are you leading me here? This doesn't make much sense, but whatever, whatever. I'm just, you, you hadn't steered and me wrong yet. Me. You hadn't steered me wrong yet. And, um, and, and even with her, I, re, I remember she was dealing with, with some psychosis. Because um, like she said, you know, when she had that, that trip um, mm -hmm. that just fried her brain, I mean, she hadn't been right since. And so sanity... And sobriety has some, been something she has worked very hard for. And I remember she was dealing with some psychosis. And I was just like, man, she's, she's, she sees this and she believes this to be reality. And it is obviously not. And if she's capable of this, then, then I'm capable of it too. As we, we're, she's very intelligent. And if she's intelligent and she can see things this way, then what am I seeing wrong? Because everything I see looks like the truth. And it's obviously not because my perspective is very young and it's very limited. At the time, I was still in my, I was like 28 or something. Uh, what 20 year old knows anything? Come on. I mean, I thought um, I knew a lot. What 20 year old knows anything? Yeah. It's like, the, the, it's like the, the more intelligent I become, the less I know, you know? Yeah. I just, I have to, I have to pause right there because I, I love what you said so much that I, every, I thought that everything I saw was the truth. I thought that everything I was thinking was the truth. And, you know, you're talking about being in your early 20s, but what is what is the truth is that so many of us in our 30s, 40s, 50s, we still believe that way, that yeah. my perspective is absolute truth. I don't care what you think. I don't care about the facts. This is what I've always believed, and this is what I'm going to continue to believe. And we literally push out all of the people, all of the places, all of the opportunities yep. that God is trying to bless us with because this is truth. Yeah. 100% hardcore, oh, not going to listen to anything else. You try to, you try to go against that and see what happens. I think it's called cognitive dissonance. Yes. And, oh my gosh, I've, I've battled that so much because I've put my own, every belief I have is on trial, absolutely on trial. Every core belief I've ever had is on trial. And, and as I've done that, I, I, I'm constantly fighting against myself. Like, oh, yeah. I really want to believe this, but man, there's some evidence that goes mm -hmm. against this. Yes, you're speaking like, my language so, now, brother. So do I? <laughs> do I either do the hard thing and grow, or do I do the easy thing and stay the same? Well, I love feeling right because it makes me feel valid. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the the reality is, being valid is worthless. Being right is worth something, and so f I've learned to be. To be right, I have to be willing to admit that I'm wrong. Yeah. And every time I admit that I'm wrong and I say, oh, well, this perspective was wrong and this is wrong, this isn't the truth, this is wrong. And I, and I have to do this. I believe as the man of my house, I have to set these standards. I have to be the one that calls right, right, and wrong, wrong. Mm -hmm. How can I expect her to do it if I don't go first and do it myself? And so, and, and, and it would, just to chase this rabbit, it doesn't make any sense for me to say, hey, this is the your perspective is wrong. You need to change. 
You know, you're just, you're experiencing psychosis. When I'm experiencing psychosis myself, I just didn't have drugs. Mm -hmm. What's the difference? Yeah. The, the mechanism is the same. I have to go back to that. The mechanism is the same. And so as, as I've, I've learned to say right is right and wrong is wrong, truth is truth, and anything that isn't truth isn't, it's false. Um, it's, it's been so freeing because what I've learned is my value is not based off of what I know, and my value isn't dependent on how right I am, how perfect I am. My value was determined by what Jesus did on the cross. Yeah, amen. Plain amen. and simple, if, if, if God loved me enough to 2,000 years ago to put his son on the cross and be the sacrifice for my sin and my guilt, then I can be a sacrifice of peace when I say right is right and wrong is wrong and truly seek to know what is truly right and what is truly wrong and apply mm -hmm. it to my life and then be an offering of thanksgiving by my service to the church and my service to the world around me. Yeah. And, and I find as I grow as a Christian, now that I've put all my core beliefs on trial and if it's wrong, I throw it away. Um, if it's right, I keep it. Um, my world is a place of peace. I'm not, I'm not sowing destruction into the world around me. Now, those are my natural proclivities to sow destruction. But if those things are wrong and I don't do those things and I go down the path of most resistance and, and right is right and wrong is wrong, man, I'm sowing peace into the world around me. Amen. And, yeah. and the freedom I'm, getting, I'm able to experience is indescribable. Mm -hmm. Just, just from three weeks ago, man, the place where I'm at now, I'm not the same person I was three All weeks ago. And, and I love being in recovery, even though I've never messed with drugs and never did alcohol. I love being in recovery because it's, I don't even want to call it recovery. I want to call it growth. Mm -hmm. It's a growth environment. Real it's life. an yeah. environment that encourages you, encourages you to be something bigger than you were. We all have a hurt, a habit, hang up. And, 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 my biggest heart isn't so much for somebody who had needles in their arm. My biggest heart is for the people who were like me mm -hmm. that sat in the pews their whole lives and never grew beyond salvation because we were just told that, hey, as long as you look like your favorite flavor of denomination, yeah. you're, you're going to heaven and everything's good, even though your life's a literal hell on earth. And, and as I've studied into hell and, and as studied into the Bible, what I see a lot of Jesus speaking to isn't the eternal fire that is hell as we know it. It's the hell you create on earth. And mm -hmm. you just get to see that amplified in the lives of drug addicts. But it's it's always quiet and behind doors in the lives we're of Christians. We, yes. don't, we don't want to say that we live in hell. We don't want to say that we're, our lives are destruction. Yeah. And, you know, when you look at the hellfire, that literally is addiction. It is a cycle of insanity that is over and over and over. And it's over. very out loud. It's very out loud. Yeah. And, and just the mechanic of addiction of, a, of, yeah. of its but it's own. it's loud. <laughs> like the mechanic of addiction is just simply this. Like, you talk about, like we were talking about earlier, the root. Um, I do something that's wrong that feels good. Even if it's morally acceptable, if it's socially acceptable, it's wrong. It feels good. All right, well, I'm not going to receive the consequence of that action until later. Well, later I receive the consequence of that action. Oh, and it feels bad. But there's a disconnect because of time. There's a time disconnect. So what am I going to do? I'm going to go back and feel good again. I want to numb that out. Instead of dealing with the consequences of my action, I'm going to go back and feel good. Oh, my gosh. That alone. <laughs> well, and then you How? rewire your brain to yeah. where your brain thinks that this is literally a behavior that I've encoded in my brain as what I need to survive. Yeah. Just like water and food. 
But, you know, everything, I, I'm hearing you say not being perfect, and then I heard you say the word um, freedom, and it reminds me of a session that I had this week with one of my clients, and she was so, she was kind of stuck in that place of, I have to fix all the things that I think that God is going to want me to change before I can begin my relationship with God and nurture that relationship with God. And I was like, hang on a second, like, let's talk about that, you know, is 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 that the truth, or, or might the opposite of that be true and 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 one of the things that I always go back to is that before the foundations of the world were laid out right God knew he was going to create me and he knew I was going to jack it up and then I was going to come to Jesus and then I was going to jack it up and I was going to come to Jesus and, and and repeat the cycle and he chose to create me anyway because he wanted to yeah. Well, what's, that's that's what, it. I mean, that's it. I have nothing he that he needs. I literally have nothing that God needs. He is holy and righteous and perfect and wonderful. And I'm over here with a bunch of filthy rags. Like, what's up? You know. And God's like, I don't need anything from you, but I want you. Well, what's that's he most interested in? That's the only yeah. thing he wants is your heart. What's yeah. he most interested in your life? Why? Why would he go through all the trouble to give us a moral standard? And then to give us consequences when we break those laws, and then to pay the consequence himself. What was he most interested in? Is it for us to find the perfect religion and and walk a certain way and talk a certain way and you know behavior modify ourselves to death, or is it growth? Because when again going back to the source code of who and what I am, I am a man made in the image of the Almighty Infinite God. And when God created man, he said it is good. And man had the same potential for evil as he did for goodness in the very beginning. Look at the source code. Look at the look at the root of everything. And I, I Adam could be angry, Adam could be hateful, Adam could be murderous. Adam could do horrible, unspeakable things. He could, he could also do that same level of good as well. And so God created this man with all these this potential, and he said it is good. And so what is there? What am I trying to achieve with this whole Christian thing? And that is to be like my God. And if my God is infinite, what part of me is infinite? Well, I, I again, look at the source code. I look at myself in the mirror, and I see, all right, well, I'm obviously bound by space-time. I can't exist in the past, present, and future like God can. Um, I can't exist over there and over here at the same time. I'm limited to this 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 spatial area that is my body. So what a part a part of me is infinite and it's my potential for growth. Right here, right now, what is infinite is my potential for growth. That's what I should focus on. And 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 I oh, fully man. believe with all my heart one day we'll get to experience reality the way God does. But imagine this in the middle of our addiction, because we all struggle with addiction, in the middle of our addiction in that cycle of insanity where we're not growing. If I was to give you all the freedom of the universe, you would still be the same person. You take a slave and give him all the rights and privileges of the world, all the richest rights and privileges of the world, he'll still be a slave in his head. You take a free man and lock him up in the smallest cage, he's still a free man because he's free here and he's free here. And, and, and that's what I want to achieve if I had all the riches of the world and I was the most spiritual looking person that ever existed. I would jack that up too. <laughs> you know, but I was still a slave in my head. What would I have accomplished? When I look at myself the way God does, 
God doesn't look at this evil, wicked person, even though I've done evil, wicked things. Even if I haven't done the action, Jesus said, if you hate somebody, you murdered them. How many murdered people are walking around? There's a lot, a lot of, a lot of maybe people watching me. Hey, I might have murdered you. You never know. Um, and so why, why would God say that is good if it wasn't for the potential? And, and what I want to achieve is that potential. I want to experience life and reality the way God created me to. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if there's anything holding me back from being that person, I believe that's why David said, search my heart. Here he is. He, he killed his best friend, slept with his best friend's wife, knocked her up. And um, he has a separation from God. And he's like, man, search my heart. If, if, I'm, if I'm capable of this level of wickedness, what else am I capable of? What else is in here that needs to be purged out? And, and that, for the most part, is my testimony. You know, I could, I could talk about where I was and how ignorant I was in my 20s, and, and we all can say that. We, we, we all did stupid things when we're trying to figure life out. Mm-hmm. Our parents dictated our lives, and, and at one point our parents said, hey, be free, you're grown. You know, some of us that was earlier than others. Some of us have a better foundation of others. Let me grow up in a trap house, and, and I guarantee you I'm going to emulate my re- mm-hmm. reality around me. Okay, what did I do with that? I, I had a solid foundation, surrounded by Christians. My parents were Christians. My grandparents were Christians. No drugs and alcohol. What am I going to do with this foundation? All right, well, I get out into the world, screw some things up, and then and, and now I've figured out the direction I'm going with my life. That's most testimonies I hear. doesn't matter how rough and rowdy it was. That's most testimonies I hear. And so this is the hand of cards God gave me in the life and in, in the poker game of life. This is the hand of cards God gave me. And some are good, and some are some are some are lame cards that we don't want. I'm not going to hand it back to him and say, "All right, well, God, this is I don't like these cards. Um, give me some new ones." No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to play this game because you can have the worst hand and play the best game. Mm-hmm. You ever, you ever? I, I don't understand much about poker, but I've seen some people play, and I'm like, I know that hand was not a good hand by the expression on everybody else's face when you laid it out on the table after you won. That's how I want to live life. I want to take what God has given me and make the most of it and grow into the person he created me to be. Mm-hmm. If God is infinite, then so is our potential for growth. Yeah. And going back to recovery, what is holding me back today? Well, personally, I'm dealing with codependency. Personally, I'm dealing with my health and fitness. Mm-hmm. I finally had to bite the bullet and just, hey, God, I tried to do this. I love that ding that just comes out of nowhere. <laughs> making sure everybody's still watching. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. <laughs> but um, I, I finally bit the bullet and went to the doctor, and I was like, man, I'm having, I'm really struggling with my, with my diabetes. I need you to, I need help. Yep. I need help. You know, I've, I've tried so hard to do this on my own, and, and I'm going down a positive path. But, you know, this, this, this sugar I'm dealing with, is, is, it's holding me back. Um, I see the cycle of insanity that I'm in. And I was like, man, I need help, and this resource has been available to me. So, man, bite the bullet and take the help, and now I'm back on track doing what I'm wanting to do. Yeah. Trying to become the person that, that God created me to be. We have a body. We have a mind. We have a spirit. You know, why don't we minister to all three of those? Yeah. We need each other. Well, and I'm, so I'm curious for you guys, what does life look like for you today when it comes to working in recovery, serving for the kingdom of God, what does that look like for you together as a couple? Well, for me, um, we do broken chains. Um, We're point of contact for broken chains, which is just a biker enthusiast 
they love riding bikes and the ones that don't ride the bikes, the associates were like the pit crew. Mm -hmm. We plan the events, we do the social media, we have their back and we put their testimony on file and they just ride and share their testimonies. They do CR startups at churches that don't have a CR. Um, and that's what, that's what makes it so powerful for us to be together because he needed church just as much as I did. And to hear that in the church, of course, it's good for the church folks t to see their prayers being answered for their family members that deal with addiction. It's beautiful to feel like, man, my prayers are being answered. Yeah. It's beautiful. But at the same time, there's something special that God is doing for all of us for us to be able to work together. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's what I love about it because like our conversations are so real. Yeah. Like I will say, this is the truth. This is how I feel. This, what it, this is what it looks like on this side. And he'll say, okay, well, this is what it looks like on this side. Yeah. And so there's this, I mean, you would think. If and we come together and try to figure out what the truth if, is. If you yeah. pass by our house, you're going to hear a lot of screaming and hollering. And, and we used to fight about those things. I used to read the word. And I'd be like, man, it's showing me this and this, and this is so beautiful. And he would go, well, you look at the context, this and this. And he would try to give me context. But because I had that wall, I'm like, ODD, bipolar, don't yeah. tell me what I'm reading. I know don't what mansplain I'm, yeah. me. I know my daddy. <laughs> I know my daddy. You know, yeah. I, but he was I go just through trying the same to thing give me some context. And I'm like, why, didn't, why did I fight him on that? Because yeah. we, we go back and forth until there's peace. Like, real peace. Like, and it's us coming together. Not me being right or him being right. But there is the, there is another level mm -hmm. of something that we're learning that he has a part of it. And I have a part of it. But you also have a part of it. Mm -hmm. And you also have a part of it. And although I'm right, I can't do this by myself. I was never... I was never meant to do or able to. all of this by myself. Or even mm -hmm. able well, to. Well, in her background and her perspective... I need him. <laughs> Just not being a guy alone is so polar opposite to mine that I've learned to value that polar opposite because it gives me the ability to see things that I normally wouldn't see. You know, I, and I use the analogy, you take a car and put one set of rims on one side and one set of rims on the other side, and you can have a person here and a person here, and they can argue about it. Well, no, this one had those, those rubber band tires, and no, man, this thing had swamp, super swampers on it, you know? But when you come together and say, all right, well, I've seen rubber band tires, and the other guy says, I've seen super swampers, what you realize is that somebody... Well, they're both right. They're both right, mm -hmm. and and they're arguing over the same point, just with different perspectives. And once we finally came to that place, well, we're both right. There's been so many times we... And that's, that's which was driven me insane about a lot of our arguments, because we'll argue about the same <laughs> point. We'll make the same point just in two different ways. You're using different language. Do different using language. different yeah. language. Saying the same thing, but using different language. Using different, different language. language. And, and her language I've learned is more emotional. Mm -hmm. um, and, and my language is more is more logical. Not that either one is inferior to the other. They're just other. different. Yeah. And and I've learned to be able to listen to people who are more emotional. And I've even learned to love the emotional parts of myself. That's another part of my testimony. That's, that was part of myself I literally hated um, until I learned that there's this whole other being that exists in my head simultaneously that is emotional, very animalistic and very emotional. And when I learned to love that part of me, I learned to love me. So I'm, I'm thinking about something that God told me. You know, and it wasn't like 
something that a person told me or I didn't read it in a book, like God spoke it to me. And it was years and years ago. I don't know if you guys remember Amendment 26, but I'm not going to go off on what that was, but it was like a huge thing. And I was all on Facebook and I was like, this is the truth. You're stupid if you don't understand the truth. How can you call yourself a Christian if you don't understand my perspective on this? And God told me one day, because I was I was in it. I was in, in it. And he said, you know, when when it becomes an argument, when it becomes a fight, you are no longer fact against fact. You are ego against ego. Yeah. And you will never argue someone into the truth. And you will never argue someone into the kingdom of God. It doesn't work like that. And ever since then, you know, and even in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, it says that we cease fighting anyone or anything. And I learned a long time ago that sometimes I have to give you the right to be wrong. And I don't have to correct you. I don't have to correct you, you know? Oh, and we do that naturally. I, I I was listening to a guy talk about in police interrogations, and police will do that. They'll intentionally get the story wrong to get you to hang yourself. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I would be the guy that hung himself. Yeah, yeah I would. Ha- I would. Yeah. Un- I, I have would totally un- been the yeah. guy that hung himself. I would himself. unconsciously yeah. correct the over. cop. Yeah. give him the story he's looking for, and here I am dangling from the bars. So I was like, man, I cannot commit any crimes. I wish I cannot do it. I, I, I have would- seen them shows that you were talking about <laughs> well, love, years ago. I love that you brought AA into it because about two years ago, I went through my final church hurt. My final, you don't get to pray for me and get all the glory. You don't get to do that. Like, I'm just, I was so done with it. And I left this church planning on not going back to church. Like, I can't do this. This is ridiculous. I went to AA. I drove downtown, and I prayed, and I said, God, I I don't know if this means I'm supposed to be doing this by myself. I don't know. And he literally drove me to the AA door at 7 mm-hmm. o'clock when it was starting. Yeah. And it was so beautiful because I walk in, walked in, sat in the corner. That I was, like, done having a full nervous breakdown, yeah. full mania. And I sat in that circle until what they were saying just mm-hmm. started lightening everything up uh-huh. again. And yes. then I started chairing meetings. And I, you know, I was in there for 18 months. And I just, in sharing with the meetings, I learned that at nine years clean, Walking with the Lord, having a relationship with Him, I did not know how to be honest with myself. Oh, yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just this, mm-hmm. I, and I knew there was something missing. And then when I started practicing that, I come back to CR, got my little chip, and mm-hmm. I was like, I'm gonna start working on these things. Like when I see something, why, why when something triggers me, that person needs to suffer every pain I've ever been through. Why does one trigger? There can be, I had a a man that every time I walked up, he would walk away. And of course, I feel rejection. I feel all these emotions. I'm like, why are you, every time I walk up, you walk away. And one day his wife came up to me and she was like, I can tell you're, you're really struggling with this. And I was like, what's up? And she was like, every time you walk up and he walks away, I can see that look on your face. Like, what did I do? I just walked up. And she's like, I just want you to know the truth came out. And I just want to let you know that the truth came out that when he was younger, his babysitter was a heavy set, long haired, uh, long gray hair lady. So every time you walked up, he didn't know what this big emotion was. Wow. Emotional just, That was his just, trauma coming. He yeah. just knew yeah. that every time you walked up that he 
felt it. And how often do people walk up and remind us of that thing? Mm -hmm. And now we think the devil's out to get us through that person. Yeah. Or now this person is demonically oppressed. And why, yeah. why you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, why am I, I must be under I attack? Yeah. 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 I, yeah. No. Like, and I, I really like, I really want to know that because some people can walk up to me. And it was, it was in walking through CR and my freedom. And I walked through back through that house where I got abused when I was a little girl. And the Lord walked with me through that house so I could just be a big girl walking through that house. And I walked all the way through, all the, all the way through those rooms, and I got to the kitchen. And there was the lady that used to babysit us. My abuse happened with the man. But when I walked through that kitchen and I got to that lady... She was screaming and hollering, and I was scared to death. And I just saw myself run from the kitchen into his arms. And so that's, that's where that twist came in for me. I was running from her because she scared me into the arms of my abuser because he was my safe place. Mm -hmm. And so now, with a man, every time a man would try to give me that safe place, I would go, <gasps> And every time yeah. you feel safe, you feel, <gasps> yeah, it's connected you, to that. What are you really, wow. what are you really trying to do? And this mm -hmm. is when I was like four years old. Like only God can show you the depths of that. But the beautiful thing is about bipolar and about being, you know, having these mental things, God makes beauty from ashes. Yeah. yeah. And so it's so beautiful now because my low, I know that he has made a way for me to go that low, like as low as you can go. Mm -hmm. So I can learn something and I can bring it back up. I bring this gold back up. He gives me manna. I'm like, oh, my goodness, I understand now. And so when I'm around somebody, instead of them triggering me, I'm like, this must be about me. Something's yeah. going on that I want to tap into because I want, I want more light bursting through my darkness. You know, and when I get on that mountaintop, I don't want to stay up here because I'm scared to come down here. I want to bring that gold up on the mountaintop. I want to tell people about what God is doing for me. Mm -hmm. And then I want to come back down to reality. Yeah. Because we're supposed to bring heaven to earth. Well, and I'm, I'm reminded, and I, I I guess I'm just this, you know, an AA infomercial here, but it's just been so impactful for I my life. And, and there's one thing that I was thinking of was that spiritual axiom. I don't know if you remember hearing about that. And I, I'm going to paraphrase it, but basically it's that if I find some person, place, or thing unacceptable to me in that moment, that it's, it's, it's about me. It's not about them. Something in me is being triggered. Something in me is, is, is coming to the surface. And so in, instead of like most of our society, in and outside of the church, like, this is all about you, look at how horrible you are, look at all these things that you're doing. I can take a step back from that and say, something's coming up in me, and I can grow, and I can change, and I can have freedom, and that person can, can God can deal with them. It's not my responsibility, you know? Exactly. So, yeah. Of that, and, and that, when I ran back into his arms, and he was my safe place, I remember crying out to God. I, I was so mad. I was throwing a fit, and I was like, so you're telling me, that my safe place, like he would, he would even watch the 700 club and I never could watch that. I didn't even know what the show was until, you know, I got saved and I was brave enough to watch it. And I, I was like, so you're telling me the man that was my safe place from this mean woman was watching a show about you while he was hurting me. Like, what is that? And as I'm crying out to God, I'm like, that is so twisted and mm -hmm. demented. Like, what is this weird sneaky thing? And he's like, what happened to him? Well, and it's it's you know what I mean. I'm like, you... whoa, not to excuse it or say it's okay or anything, but, but to like, provide some context. But, but man, what happens to somebody for that 
to twist where this girl that needed a safe place is now somebody I need a connection with like like you would your wife. Mm -hmm. Like it was already twisted before it even twisted with me. Like what happened to him? You know, it it taught me how to forgive yeah. and that, that I have a purpose, that I have to – I have to really see what's going on when I go in my valley. I can't just go there and snap out and get numb. There's something I can learn there. Because mm -hmm. there's light bursting forth through deep, dark stuff like that. Yeah, that's so good. Very good. Wow. This has been incredible. Um, but broken chain, yeah. broken chain, broken chain. <laughs> yeah, I have, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a broken right, chain So let's, let's talk about broken chains. Yes. This is my favorite subject, by the way. <laughs> Hit me with it. It's motorcycles and Jesus. You you just don't get any better. Than yeah, that, that sounds. That, yeah, definitely. Well, I remember. I remember when I first met y'all. <clears throat> I met y'all in uh, McGee at the Recovery Fest <clears throat> about a little over a year ago, or about right about a year ago. And I remember seeing y'all walk in, and I was intimidated, but at the <clears throat> at the same time, I was intrigued because. The intimidation came from every other biker I've ever been around in my life has been scary, you know. Yes. So and then I to do see, need him to look scary. All those people that and then to see y'all, you know, walking into a, an event like that, and then and then see the Jesus just oozing off of you, and uh, I believe you know when we were introduced, uh, it was immediate hugs. Yeah. Immediate. You know? I like it was immediate hugs, and I'm like, <laughs> I mean, I automatic I automatically loved you both. And didn't even know anything about you. Mm -hmm. Because y'all ooze that Jesus. You know, you yes. ooze that Holy Spirit. You so, and, and every time we've been, and we're very close now. I mean, we're yes. pretty close. Yes. <clears throat> and uh, every time I've been around y'all since, it's just been like, it's like, it's like seeing family. Mm -hmm. Yes. It, or, and I feel at home. That's, yeah. that's my, that's now my moral compass is I know that we need each other. Mm -hmm. And the devil, of course, wants to kill, steal, destroy, and divide. But I know we're meant to do this thing together, and I want to be finding ways. Like he says, he's like, don't don't take it. Don't be threatened by people that are different. Mm -hmm. He's like, man, think of the opportunity. He's like, find, yeah. a way, find a way that you can connect. Well, you yeah. can connect with anybody. Well, yeah. think about Here's this. The thing. this is Here's the thing. It's just like what this, you know, not just Broken Chains, but the podcast and other, a lot of CRs that I've been to is about – it's uh, it, it's almost like we're our own type of entity of church, you know. Yes. The, yeah. You know, because it's like we're sleeved up, tattoos, uh, piercings. Uh, <laughs> I, I like it. that you pointed to yeah. me when you God, said that. God I appreciate did it. that. Uh, yeah, and uh, you know, the multicolored hair, and uh, and and uh, these are my people. Yeah. You know, and I yes. love this, and uh, and um, and we and and we even accept those that I mean, well, anybody. It doesn't have to be sleeved out, tattooed. I mean, you can literally walk in with a suit. You know, on and uh, like you just walked just out of a you. Southern Baptist church, and just we're gonna love the poo out of it. Yes, yeah. yes. Know? So I want to hear, I want to hear the origin story of Broken Chains, Let's how it came it. about, and then uh, and where it's going. Well, the origin story of Broken Chains um, started with a guy named Jeff Stoltz, and uh, I believe he's up in South Car North of South Carolina, and um, he started Broken Chains, and then Broken Chains became a part of Celebrate Recovery. Um. <laughs> I mean, just a marker came out of nowhere. It's pretty awesome. No, no worries. He's good at this. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. All right, let's do this. So so Broken Chains became a part of Celebrate Recovery, and, and um, is a big part of Celebrate Recovery, and that's when I got involved. Um, I love the biker culture, but I remember what Jesus says. You can't, you can't walk the fence. You can't live in the world, and you can't, you can't serve two masters because you're going to love one and hate the other. Mm-hmm. And I know emotionally 
I would be driven towards the group of people that would allow me to get away with whatever it is that, you know, I would want to get away with. Um, but I love bikers and I love the biker culture. Oh, man, the first time I ever got on a motorcycle, I was like, this is my life forever. Yeah. This, is, this is it. <laughs> this, this is it for me. This yeah. is what I'm going to be. It was, a, it was a Chinese 125 motorcycle, and I run that thing until it literally fell to pieces um, going home one day from work. And I'm like, well, this motorcycle's dead. <laughs> but um, many, many more later, and, and I love biker culture, um, but I knew that I, I can't join a club. Because if I was to join a, a, a traditional MC, um, I can't walk with Jesus. I can't. I can't walk with Jesus like I want to. Because again, you can't serve two masters. Um, and there are a lot of Christian groups out there, and I'm not throwing anything at any of them. Um, but it just is what it is. Broken chains works. For um, all so, recovery. so when I found so out about sense. broken chains, um, for one, it's not a club, and and I really like that it's not a club. Um, and at the time, it was a part of Celebrate Recovery. Well, as the years progressed, um, the leadership decided to make Broken Chains its own independent thing. Um, so now we're our own organization, and the reason for that was so that way we can service all Christ-based recoveries, uh, whereas before we was just limited to only being able to work with Celebrate Recovery. Mm-hmm. So now we can service all Christ-based recoveries, um, and we can partner with them. And what, what, what Broken Chains really does, um, it's not about the patch. You you are not the patch. Um, a lot of the guys in the biker world would call call us buy-ins because we literally buy our patch off the Internet, and we don't have to go through a prospecting period. Um, and, and that doesn't settle well with a lot of guys, but, you know, I tell people it's like this. You, your recovery is what makes that patch valuable. I didn't have to work for salvation. I didn't have Mm -hmm. to go through a Christian prospecting period for salvation. Jesus took me as I am. Mm -hmm. And, and through my desire to want to grow, that's what makes my relationship with God valuable. That's what makes my Christianity valuable. If I would have just bought in and and not done anything with it, then what's my faith worth? Absolutely nothing. I love that so much. Um, but as I've grown as a Christian and I've I've invested in my faith, then man, my faith is worth something. My faith is worth a lot. My faith is worth everything to me, and that's kind of what what our patch is worth. And it's also an opportunity. It's a like right piece. before right before we came here. Um, this lady behind the counter, biker culture is interesting. It, it just is because it's so elusive. It's mm-hmm. so, so quiet. You know, most, unless you're in it, people aren't going to talk about it. Um, you're not going to walk up to, you know, an MC and be like, all right, you guys tell me everything there is to know about your club <laughs> and your life. Tell me all it's your so interesting. Right they're not going to tell you. They're going to give you very little information because a lot of that is hush hush. You got to be a part of it or you're not, you're just not one mm-hmm. of them. Um, and so, the opportunity for conversation with people comes up all the time. I get on my Harley and man, people see this patch and like, man, what is that? Well, I love it when they say, what gang are you a part of? What you <laughs> yeah. about? And I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. You totally Jesus don't know gang. anything. Cause you don't call yeah. them. Yeah, so this gang, isn't gang. like, sons you of don't Anarchy. ever call them <laughs> gang. gang. Yeah. So this isn't like sons of anarchy. Yeah, yeah, this is, you're yeah. running drugs and, yeah, and, yeah, this and is, women and, uh, and, uh, and guns. You're running Jesus and the Holy spirit. Yeah. Yes. And even and with those guys, Drinking, you know, people are like, y'all look like you're bikers, but you're 
nice. Yeah, I yeah. love it. Well, it, and most of them I've I've met quite a quite a few quite a few of the one percenters, and and they're the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you'd be surprised how many of them you, you talk to because you don't reckon they unless they're on their bikes, you're not going to see them in the cuts. Well, well, think about it like this, man. So, but you know, three thousand years ago when Jesus was walking the earth, man, like put it in a modern perspective, you know, in terms of who he hung out with then, who we hang out with now. He might be right. He might just roll up at the synagogue on a Harley. Oh, I tell you know? he, he totally would. Yeah, um, I mean, he, yes. he, he'd be hanging out with the thugs and the gang he would, he would and the eat, drug he would addicts. Definitely you know? be on a Harley. Well, and it's cool too because we've been at events and there there are people that are a part of that biker culture. Mm. They'll come up and be like, "What? What are you doing? Like, what are you a part of? What are you doing?" And it even gives us an opportunity to talk to them. You know, if it's a guy by himself, I'll walk off just so him and Stephen can have a conversation. Mm -hmm. If he has a girl with him, I'll talk to her while he talks to him. And it just gives that opportunity for freedom just, just to say Jesus yeah. and know yeah. that, that you can't imagine what God has done before they got there, who they've mm -hmm. lost, they, what they need, yeah. what they're praying what they're, I mean, th this is so beautiful just to be a little part yeah. of some, a little light. You know? That's awesome. Well, and, and we, 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 a lot of our guys will say our patch is round because it's a doorknob. It opens up opportunities. Oh, I like that. And, and even, even with our interactions with the biker world, um, we, we have an opportunity to be able to service that community because in a lot of major MCs, if you get bad off on, even if they run drugs, if you get bad off on drugs, you're put out bad, which means you're literally disconnected from all of your brothers. And these guys work hard to get into those clubs. It's not just a it's walk a up, hey, I'm, I'm a rough, tough guy. I want to be a part of your club. Now you go through a lot to get in. And, and once you're in, you have earned it. Mm -hmm. and, and so to be, and that's your whole world. That's your family. Most of these guys is the only family they ever have. Mm -hmm. And so them to get disconnected from it um it's it's devastating to them and um, I, I remember talking to one guy i was like you know he was asking me he was asking me about what broken chains is about and um i have a feeling he was either fixing to fight me or support me i'm not <laughs> yeah. i'm not really yeah, sure and, and and it was my ignorance of biker culture i didn't i didn't realize you were supposed to get permission before you ride a patch in the area um, and, and thankfully he liked what I said and he supported me and he still supports me to this day. Yeah. Um, and I remember telling him that I was like, man, if any of your guys ever get put out, you know, you can, you can send them to us. You can send them to us and we'll get them plugged One in. One phone recovery. call. We can have them in a yeah. recovery and, center and therapy and, so, and send them back home. Instead of this guy getting to, thrown to the wolves and you can no longer talk to him and he can no longer be a part of what you do and he has an opportunity to be able to recover yeah. and get over this addiction and you don't you don't have to lose a brother and your brother doesn't have to lose it a makes family. a way through okay. anything That's so right, good so uh, uh, we're almost out of time and I, I hate to cut this short but uh, to wrap this up though um, how would uh, somebody uh, get in touch with you guys uh, to uh, you know to you know be a part of Broken Chains, and, you know, how do we find you? Well, we're trying to separate our personal page because we do all recovery. Um, we're trying to separate that with Broken Chains, J.C., Mississippi. Um, we share a lot of the main stuff on our page, the Broken Chains, J.C., Mississippi. You can find it on Facebook. Um, we share events there. If, if you're in, if you guys have a recovery and you're leading and you need somebody to share a testimony, 
our guys have a testimony on file. Mm -hmm. They're ready to go. We can ride out as a group, make it something cool. We can also um, come together to any church that wants to celebrate recovery. We can share our testimony, um, do a CR startup, get some people ready to do that. Um, there's a lot of things that we can do. And we're also, um, like with the CMA, we ride with the CMA in our communities for house fires. And if somebody's in the hospital and things like that, we also ride with ABATE. And ABATE is for the children. Like this summer, we get to come together and build a dock for Camp Sunshine awesome. with a little wheelchair ramp. Yeah. So we're, we're not only out in the community but and with the kids, but we're also in recovery. Yeah. So it yeah. gives us just a platform our, to our, be able to work with Our anybody. laser focus is recovery ministry. Mm -hmm. Anything that we head up is going to be recovery, Christ-based, recovery-based. And as far as your question about how to get involved with Broken Chains, it's pretty simple. You contact you can contact us. we got a website, um, brokenchainsjc.com, um, that, that you can get on. And that, that's how you fill your application out there. And, you know, you could, if you, that, that, that's how you get started with it. Um, you don't exactly have to be a rider to be a part of Broken Chains. We have associates. They're non-riders, and we also have riders. I want to be an associate because I don't know. I can't ride a bike. You'll be part well, of the crew. So can you talk to me long enough? You'll be on a bike. So, <laughs> so just to, just to, just to clarify one more time for our listeners, it's brokenchainsjc.com. Yeah, and the Facebook page is. Broken Chains JC Mississippi. Broken Chains JC Mississippi. Mississippi. So we want to start making those connections. If we can have a few, at least a maybe a man and a woman at each church, mm -hmm. each recovery in a church, um, that would give us easy access because we could call this one couple mm -hmm. or this one person and be able to contact, bring that whole recovery center in. If there's yeah. a house fire or there's something going on, It'd be good to make those connections. Yes. Well, I'm so happy that y'all yeah. are so deeply involved with the recovery uh, community. And um, y'all, you already know that. It's the any, coolest community. Any yeah. event that the Black Sheep Recovery Warfare is involved in, y'all are more than uh, happy to welcome. And we've been us. discussing yeah. about doing an event in Brookhaven, too. Yes, yes. yes. We, we, Stay uh, on the up and up. Well, we just want to say thank you so yeah, much you for so coming. Much. We're yeah. so grateful yeah. for the things that you shared. I love your story. And, uh, man, we're just going to have to have y'all back just to hang out. Yeah. Know? And I'm just yeah, so thankful, yeah. too, that anybody that comes in that's free just a year or two, two or three, man, just do, just be still and let the Lord do yeah. what he wants to do because we're experiencing yeah. this because we we really want it. Well, awesome. One thing I want to touch on real quick, uh, what can you say uh, for you, Tara? What, what can you say to anybody out there that's listening that is still going through that psychosis type stuff, even in their sobriety? Um, Just... Make yourself a part of the family. Um, if the church looks funny to you, do more recovery stuff. If recovery looks funny to you, do more church stuff. Um, all of this is coming together. God's bringing it together to make sense. It doesn't really make a lot of sense right now for me. Um, but just keep going and doing. All you got to do is show up and God will show out. Amen. Well, yeah. and, I, and I would say just, just for those people, because, you know, although, again, I don't have a history with drugs and alcohol, mm -hmm. I, I struggled well, for with the psychosis. Church folks, yeah. Hello. You're, you're, none of our perspectives are the truth. Put everything you believe on trial. Put everything you believe on trial and, and see what's true and what's not true. Amen. Pray that prayer to God. Search my heart. Search my heart and see what's got to go. What's holding me back? Is it my perspective? Is it a belief? Is it what, it what is holding me back from being the man or woman you created me to be? Amen. And, it, and it's as simple as that. Amen. Amen. All well, right. Thank you all so much for awesome. coming. Danny, hit my music.